This is Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. If you drive long haul, short haul, or heavy haul, they're here to empower and inspire women in the trades on TNCRadio.live. So gear down, sit back, and enjoy. Welcome to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. We're a show designed to empower and inspire women with all kinds of information on a variety of topics and wonderful guests. We don't shy away from anything, and we're here for women. I'm Shelley, and I'm Kathy. Is your dysfunctional relationship with stress keeping you from being happy? Are you a stressaholic? What if you could improve your brain health as well as your performance and banish that stress and anxiety? We found someone who can help you with that. She's the stress detective, Dr. Heidi Hanna. Dr. Hanna has been featured at national and global conferences, including the Fortune Magazine Most Powerful Women in Business Summit. She's the chief energy officer of Synergy Brain Fitness. That's a company that offers brain-based health and performance programs. She's also a New York Times best-selling author of books that include The Sharp Solution, Stressaholic, and Recharge. Her clients have included Google, Starbucks, Microsoft, Morgan Stanley, the PGA Tour, and the National Football League. Wow! Dr. Hanna is also a national board member and certified humor professional with the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. Welcome, Dr. Hanna. I'm so looking forward to this interview. Thank you so much. And can I just start by saying you have the most beautiful voice. I was just thinking if I ever had a promo video, I would want you to do that or maybe do a guided meditation uh, in the evening. It's, it's stunning. So thank you. It's great to be here. Thank you. I've been telling her, I've been telling her that all the time. She's awesome. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate that so much. Dr. Hannah, your background is super interesting. How about you tell us more about you and what you do? Sure. Well, gosh, I wish I had that in a, uh, elevator pitch. I always laugh when people ask my parents, they're still not sure uh, what to say about what I do, but I guess to summarize it, my mission is really to help people improve their relationship with stress. And it's taken me a long time to get to that. Um, I think I started exploring this field before I really knew what integrative neuroscience or, or stress really was about because of my own personal challenges. And I was diagnosed at around 12 with an anxiety disorder, very long story short. um, It led to the point where I started having panic attacks and fainting episodes and doctors couldn't figure out what was wrong with me and ultimately said, it's just stress, which was very confusing to me because I had a lot of information about how to manage stress, but yet my brain and my body were still hijacking me for some reason. And this actually continued even when I was traveling around the world, speaking about stress management and nutrition and fitness and all these other components. My, my own body was really taking a toll from all the stress I was putting it under. And so I eventually started really diving into all of the current research about stress and brain health. And I was fortunate to start hosting a global stress summit about six years ago and and meeting the leading experts in the field. And the one thing that always still kind of makes me laugh is that I would ask these experts in stress management to define what stress was, and they would have a really difficult time doing that. It'd be like a five minute conversation. So What I realized very quickly is that we all have a unique stress story. We all have a lot of different emotions wrapped up into our relationship with stress. But I started realizing that stress really wasn't the enemy. It was something that could be used in very powerful ways to fuel positive change once we knew how to utilize it more effectively. And so I try to live that. And then I try really hard to encourage and empower other people to do the same thing. You said you had a panic attack. I had one of those, oh gosh, it, uh, the first one I ever had, um, I want to say 20 years ago. Mm. And I ended up going for a cardiac stress test and all of that. You know, they were trying to rule stuff out. It was like having a heart attack. It was just scary. Yeah. And basically the doctor said, well, uh, you're checking out here uh, in terms <laughs> of your, everything looks good. Uh, stress. Okay. That's you know, you probably had a panic attack. That is so debilitating. And I've heard that sort of thing can run in families too. 
It can. And I think the challenge is when we don't know what's really going on, we have the tendency to label it something Mm -hmm. that feels like we can check a box. And especially in the medical field, you know, we have such a limited time with people to really understand what's going on. And there's so much we're learning now about the, the mind body connection. So it used to feel like, well, it's just stress. So therefore it's all in your head, meaning it's all in your mind. But really, we know now that the mind and our mental experiences, and especially our emotional experiences, can actually reshape and rewire the way that the nervous system functions. So in a case like what you experienced, um, and a lot of people experience that, it's a shortness of breath, heart palpitations, you know, sweaty palms, almost like a heart attack. Um, There's also another, there's a couple of other layers to that that people may not even realize are stress-related. One is almost anything related to autoimmune issues and digestive issues, especially can be related to the way that the stress system is reacting in this kind of hyper reactive mode. And then in my case, it's kind of the extreme of fight, flight, freeze, or faint that ultimately the most primitive part of our nervous system will literally stop us in our tracks and cause us to lose consciousness. If it believes that there's nothing we can do to deal with the situation at hand. So it's this dance between what's going on in our mind and our emotions, but also acknowledging that our emotions are, are also stored in our body. And so it's not that we're just making this stuff up. It actually has a physiological impact. And you know, what I found that I didn't get really any definitive answers. I was really frustrated. It's like, okay, what do I do about this? This has never happened to me before. And then I would have other episodes that were not as profound. And I I would roll down the window if I'm driving, uh, I was driving a car to get some fresh Mm -hmm. air and talk myself down, you know, that sort of thing until I'd learned some techniques, you know. Well, and I'd love to know for you, the the types of techniques that work. I think that this becomes part of the challenge. And this even came up in a presentation I was delivering today to some senior executives where they would say, you know, how do I help people who may be dealing with stress or what are the types of things we can do? And I hate to sound so primitive, but it's the things we already know we should be doing. So honestly, the majority of times there's a fundamental issue with nutrition, exercise, or sleep Mm -hmm. that is off. Um, And then beyond that, our social connections are really important. Our breathing is really important. And so I think sometimes it's like the solution is so common sense, but they're not things that we make common practice. And that's, that's really what I try to help people do is not look at the big picture as this overwhelming, I have to totally change my life, but what am I willing to do differently to convince my nervous system that while there are things that are stressful and potentially out of my control, as there always are, there are also these other things that are joyful and humorous and enjoyable. Um, And it's really getting that balance of demand versus capacity into a place where we don't feel overwhelmed by it. It's almost like our brain is is our worst enemy sometimes. It's overruling our bodies or something. But you're talking about breathing. Yes, I I, I used breathing techniques and all of that. And when I'd had that panic attack, I was not eating properly that day. I was under a lot of stress. And I had also signed on my first mortgage. And I was (laughs) probably the biggest life decision, one of them. (laughs) You know, it's like, it's like. Uh oh. And I was on my way to dinner, as a matter of fact. And I, I ended up pulling into the grocery store because it was the closest parking lot. And I thought, I need some people here who can help me. And I knew there was a pharmacy. And I ended up being placed uh, on a chair right by the door so people could walk in and see me. I'm pale. My blood pressure was way too low. And there was a doctor who happened to be there and a nurse. They're like, we need a blood pressure cuff right now. You know, and uh, I was taken by ambulance to the hospital. And it was just crazy. And that becomes a trauma in itself, yeah. right? So yeah. most people who struggle with panic disorder, as I did my first episode, I was about 12 and fainted getting in line for a roller coaster ride and had all of those things as well. I mean, it was a combination probably of dehydration, yeah. anxiety about the ride. I really didn't want to go on it. I felt out of control, but same thing. The paramedics came, everyone was staring at me. I fell and mm-hmm. hit my head on the concrete. And so then what tends to happen is we have panic about the panic. 
So now we feel like I can't control my own body. And what if this happens again? I had it on a blind date. I had it on an airplane. I had it in an interview. Um, So it becomes this vicious spiral. And I think the key is really kind of accepting the fact as well that we can't really distinguish the difference between anxiety and excitement. So when you mentioned your mortgage, I thought, okay, what an exciting and scary time. Oh, sure. Yeah. There's excitement in that too, right? There's excitement in the possibility of things that heart racing palpitations, giving a presentation or doing something that really matters. In fact, if it didn't matter, we wouldn't feel stressed. So stress can also help us focus in on what really matters to us. But the key is Do we have the capacity to deal with those heightened emotions? In this case, not eating, not sleeping, you know, maybe not drinking enough water, whatever the case may be, that kind of tips us over the edge because ultimately it's an energy out versus an energy in. And when those two things aren't in harmony, um, or for, I should say for too long, a period of time, we can go about 30 minutes of acute stress without really getting hijacked, but if we can't fix it or solve it, um, within a short time frame, then then it becomes really, really difficult. Mm-hmm. And I remember the doctor at the time saying, "Well, you you weren't eating properly," and he he kind of attributed it to that, and it's like you'll be fine, right, right. <laughs> and I don't know what you heard about that, but uh, that's not an answer. Yeah, very similar. I mean, yeah. I went through all the tests of, oh, I was allergic to milk. And then it was, I had epilepsy, but they weren't really sure, but they wanted to put me on medication. I mean, we just, we really want to label it something. And if we can't, then we kind of send people out the door and say, um, you know, have you a nice life. Yeah. I'm kind yeah. of laughing as I'm saying this, because it was maybe two months ago, I went to the dentist, I had really severe tooth pain, tooth and jaw pain. Mm-hmm. I thought for sure I had a popcorn kernel or something stuck for months and couldn't figure out what was going on. And at the end of the exam, the dentist said, I think you're clenching or grinding and you need to see a stress management specialist. And I just started laughing because I was like, well, let me see what I do. Oh, <laughs> but, you know, it's been a hard couple of years. And, and uh, I, so then becoming aware of it, I actually noticed that I do, I clench my teeth or clench my jaws often during the day, anytime I'm concentrating. And so becoming aware of that mm-hmm. and making some shifts to that are helpful. And I think that's really the key is to find something that works for you. That's realistic, that can become a habit. Mm-hmm. Um, one that's had the biggest impact on me over the last probably six months or so is right. When I wake up in the morning, before I do anything, I put on a, a guided meditation that's really focused on positivity and gratitude. And it's not over the top, everything's going to be perfect. It's just this reinforcing sense of, you know, I have something to offer and this day has potential. And it's just, it's been shocking to me how waking up with that versus just going to exercise or try to do something else that's supposedly good for me, but feels like energy output this just allows me to get into that mindset. And it really, you know, I'm not saying everyone has time necessarily to do an hour, but even if you break it up into several kind of recharge breaks throughout the day, it really just shifts your nervous system to say, not everything is horrible. Again, it doesn't eliminate the challenges we have. Those are real, those are there, but it also builds our capacity to cope with those things. Well, I know that like with breathing, I believe that activates what's your parasympathetic nervous system, which right. calms you down. Am I correct? Yeah, absolutely mm-hmm. correct. So yeah. studies have shown um, breathing in and out to a count of about five seconds. So breathing into about five, breathing out to about five is good for most people. Some people like to count. Some people like to watch like a moving breath bar on one of the breathing apps, like calm or something like that. Um, Some people just like to listen to music. I do think some sort of auditory cue or visual cue is helpful because Mm -hmm. our our minds are racing so often. It can be hard to just focus on our breath. 
Um, but the other thing is that if you exhale just a little bit longer, it's the exhalation that stimulates the parasympathetic or the relaxation response. And when we inhale, it actually triggers the, the stress response, which isn't a bad thing because those are in balance. So if you breathe into about five and breathe out just a little bit longer to maybe six counts or so, that's been shown to really help reduce anxiety. And if you can make that a practice, it actually changes something called heart rate variability, which is the beat to beat changes of your heart rate over time. So it's kind of like training a muscle to get stronger. You're training um, your ability for your breathing to get your heart and your brain into a better sync. Which is important, certainly. And oxygen, when you bring it into your body, doesn't that kind of reset your brain too? Because obviously the brain needs oxygen. And does that kind of recalibrate things as well? It does. I think that again, the, the focus in using breath for, for stress or anxiety reduction has really been mostly on exhaling, but if you exhale okay. fully, you're going to inhale as well. So mm -hmm. getting oxygen in is absolutely important, but two things I would say about that. One is that we have a tendency when people are experiencing anxiety to say, well, just take a deep breath. I don't know if anyone told you that when you were having a panic attack, but oh, yeah. Yeah, I heard that my whole life. And then those words became synchronous with you're going to have a panic attack. So it was like, I don't want anyone to just take a deep breath. I, I know that already. There must be more to it. So if you actually take a deep breath in, it's overstimulating to the nervous system. And that's part of the reason why when people are hyperventilating, they'll have them do the breathing through like a bag to limit how much oxygen they're taking in. And at, at first, cause you, you don't want to like overstimulate that part of the breath. Um, sure. but the other thing I would say with oxygen is that not only do we need to breathe it into our lungs, we need to get it moving through our, our veins. And so one of the things that we do a lot, and I would think your listeners in particular is we sit for long periods of time. And so when we sit for long periods of time, we're compromising our circulation. So the blood flow is probably just as important, if not more so. Plus, if we can get even a quick, you know, few minutes of a walk break in, that's going to naturally increase our breath rate as well and help us to take deeper, fuller breaths. So I would say movement, physical activity is, is definitely one of the best things we can do for that. That I can comment on because I sit for 13 hours a day for 14 days straight. That's all I do. I we're, We get out of the equipment maybe twice a day, like when we have our half hour breaks and it's very difficult. I have poor circulation to begin with. And mm -hmm. so like varicose veins. And so I, I make a point of actually like stopping, I'll pull over on the side and I'll get out of the grader and I'll just do some stretches. I, mm -hmm. I'll even do like a uh, little mini push-ups off the handrails, <laughs> just, you know, squats, just, uh, I have to, because it's a long time to be sitting there. Sure. And it, it, it also, what it does, it just takes me out of my initial stress because um, being in the grader in my job is very stressful. All I see is uh, giant tires going by me and they're literally three feet away. And if it takes, if the operator doesn't pay attention for one second while well, I could be run over, right? Because I'm kind of in the middle. Um, so the stress is very high. So, and I realize that. And I also know, you know, the importance of um, having that circulation. So I, I make a point of doing that. And also what I do on my breaks a lot of the time is that I'll pull over and um, I will do a 20 minute uh, meditation session just mm. to kind of recalm myself and get myself out of the, you know, the incredible amount of uh, anxiety that can come with being stuck in the middle of heavy equipment that's flying by you at 50 miles an hour. <laughs> That can yeah. literally squish you like a bug. So that meditation, that daily meditation that I do helps. It really does. And there's so much focus and concentration and attention oh, to what yeah. you're doing when you're driving. It's like, you know, people will often say, well, if I'm just sitting around, you know, do I really require that much energy? But it's actually kind of the opposite. I mean, people who have physically exhausting jobs, they're moving all the time. So that circulation is going and there's nothing more tiring than being forced to sit still. And, you know, the example I usually use is people on like a cross country flight or something, but you're talking about something even more extreme than that and having to drive the dang thing. So you really have to be paying attention. That's a lot of energy. 
Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, like in the grader, you, you have 12 functions with one hand, 14 functions with the other, and you're always looking down. You have, your head has to be on a swivel. You're looking around, you're watching the rows, the intersections, you got pickups, you got trucks, you got, oh my God, it's like nonstop for 13 hours. So what I also do is I make sure, and I really don't deviate on this, is that I hit the treadmill or I go, um, I, I do a little bit of weights or, you know, I'll ride the bike. I do it not every day, but every other day to at least, uh, I started yoga six months ago. That I, is a wonderful, wonderful um, way to de-stress. It, mm -hmm. it really, the, the deep breathing. And even if I do it for 15 minutes, as long as I do something, it makes all the difference in the world. Stay tuned for more of Women Road Warriors, coming up. Great leaders challenge their people not to stop at the first right answer. Tighten the Lug Nuts is the book that will help you move past that first right answer to be more effective, more productive, and more successful. This book serves as a blueprint that can be easily applied by leaders, entrepreneurs, truckers, owner-operators, all of us in our everyday lives. This is one of the best leadership books you can read to help you accelerate towards your personal and professional goals. Plus, a portion of the proceeds will be donated to truckerschristmasgroup.org. Visit tightenthelugnuts.com to order your copy today. Kathy DeCaro is nothing short of amazing. She not only drives the world's biggest truck as a heavy equipment operator in northern Alberta, Canada. She's an international motivational speaker and the author of Dream Big, an autobiography about overcoming a lifetime of trauma and abuse that led to dreams of success. Kathy inspires people the world over to change their lives and improve their self-worth. Her book will change your life. She's passionate about personal growth and believes anyone can change their circumstances and overcome their obstacles if they believe in themselves. Her life will amaze you and seriously inspire you. Be sure to order a copy of her book, Dream Big, on Amazon.com. Welcome back to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. I've heard that living in the moment is also something that's very helpful. I definitely think it is. And it's interesting as I'm listening to Kathy talk, because I think if you're driving, you really don't have a choice or you shouldn't have a choice, but to, to be in the moment because there's so many other factors going on. Um, we know that multitasking is one of the most hazardous things you could do to the brain because the brain isn't hardwired to multitask. So every time we're switching tasks, we're expending more energy. There's what we call the switch cost of going back and forth. And then of course, the more we do that, the more hardwired that becomes. Now it becomes harder to focus and pay attention. Um, I would think again, while driving, you're, you may have to multitask to some extent just to focus on all the things that are going around in your environment. But if we're not careful, then that can lead us to be in that same kind of heightened threat sensitive multitasking mindset when we're doing things with the people that we care about, when we really wanna be able to focus and be present and be in the moment. So a lot of the meditation practices, there's really two different types, an open versus a closed meditation. And the one I mentioned that's specifically guiding you towards a focused outcome would be a focused meditation. So I'm gonna really concentrate on gratitude or concentrate on positivity or concentrate on how I wanna feel during my day. An open meditation is more mindful awareness of the present moment without judgment. And that could be really helpful for just being with the moment and not having to move so fast, not having to think 10 steps ahead. It's just that it can be really hard when we've practiced for so long, uh, kind of mental gymnastics as I like to, to call it. So even with that open meditation of mindfulness, it can be helpful to listen to music or have a mantra or something to kind of guide you through the practice. Um, but I think that especially nowadays, there's so few times that people are really present and fully engaged with each other, that it's something really beautiful we have to offer each other by just 
being right here right now when we can. Well, when you, you know, say, oh, oh, go ahead, Kathy. I was just going to say that that would be really good um, advice for people who suffer from uh, post-traumatic stress. I, I know personally in, in my own life, I had one really bad episode because my life, I've had some major, major trauma. And um, the very first month I was driving, uh, operating the, that giant truck, my self-esteem was really shaky and just years of abuse and not, you know, being told how useless and ugly and worthless and stupid and, you know, I'll never amount to nothing and yada, yada, yada. Well, mm. I'm in the middle of driving and I had to go through an intersection and um, there was, I had to go really slow and there was some security officers that were blocking traffic. And for some reason there, that particular day, there was traffic lined up on both sides, as far as I could see, waiting for me to come through, because I mean, this is a mammoth coming through, right? Oh. So as I'm coming through, I had the one and only time that I had a, a, a post-traumatic stress flash. It literally, it took the breath out of my lungs. And oh. it's as if a tidal wave hit me from behind. And it took my breath away and I started to, to hyperventilate and tears and I couldn't breathe. And all I'm seeing, I, I couldn't see the road. Um, all I'm seeing is the most humiliating, the most God awful moments of my life flash in front of me. Like, like it was like a power power slide, just bam, 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 bam. And I could hear, you know, all these names that I've been called since childhood. It's almost like I could see the words and I, and I'm driving through this intersection. I mean, there's people there. I, it was like the most inappropriate moment, but what I did is I, I realized what was going on and I rolled down the window to get some air. And in that very critical moment, I just said, Oh, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> I said, my past does not define my future. And I just kind of imaginary, yeah. I took that big ball of negative, whatever was going on, and I threw it out the window. But yeah. what, what, what it did, it left this big empty hole inside. Like, and, and I felt like it was, it was hurting. It was so painful, like so prominent. So what I did is I knew that I had to replace that negative whole with something positive and empowering so I did the only thing that I that I thought of at the moment is that I said <laughs> I said no one is going to take away what I worked hard for so what I did is I, I did the queen wave as I'm going through the intersection <laughs> right? and I'm waving to all these people that just happen to be looking at the truck they, they, they don't care who's driving <laughs> but what that that queen wave did for me was it gave me my power back yeah. And I'm like, I will not allow all those, like, you know, all the people that were, that told me how useless I am and how worthless. I'm like, who's driving this truck? Me, mm -hmm. not them, me. That's right. And so in that critical moment, it changed everything because mm -hmm. from that moment on, I was able to self-talk my way through any negative thoughts that would come through any little moments of uh, insecurity that would kind of creep in. Sometimes I'm like, uh, nope, Kathy, that ain't happening. <laughs> I mean, who's driving this truck? Remember that, remember everything you did to get here. Right. Yeah. And so for anybody listening, if you have those moments of, you know, post-traumatic uh, stress, these little flashbacks or big flashbacks, like in my case, you know, you are able to talk yourself through it to, to get your yourself out but then also use the tools that Heidi's talking about to to continue on the the, the path to, to 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 work your way through it well without knowing it I assume you didn't spend a lot of time researching this you just intuitively did these things that were going to help you get through something yeah. really horrible reliving that but I want to point out two of the things that you did that are scientifically validated one is that use of a mantra and hell no is as good of a mantra as anywhere I can think of <laughs> I like so, so don't, think that, don't think that a mantra has to be Sanskrit or biblically based or, you know, or a home it's, exactly yeah. it's yeah. what you tell yourself and that could be something that you repeat over and over and over again. For me, when I breathe in, I say, let in. When I breathe out, I say, let go, let in, let go. And for me, that's opening up my heart and it's letting go of the perfectionism or whatever it is. Right. So, but you find something like that, that you say to yourself, because in that moment, you're literally retraining your nervous system to respond.
respond differently. But with post-traumatic stress disorder, which by the way, the majority of Americans and probably around the world are dealing with that right now based on all the things that have happened in the last two years. Oh yeah. Your brain has changed where, you know, the logical part of your brain isn't working. Your memories are hyper-focused on fear and threat. Your threat center is hyperactive. So that it it's no surprise that you ended up in a in a situation that brought all of that flooding back and gave you those visceral experiences in your body so you used a mantra or what i call a focus phrase or a cue or something verbal and by the way it feels a little weird but research also suggests if you use your own name it's really powerful so if you would have been like kathy hell no you know like <laughs> or whatever, <laughs> like something yeah. about saying your own name, that gets your brain to really pay attention. But then the other one that's really interesting is a power pose. And a power pose is then moving that into something physical where you can take some sort of action. So a wave, or sometimes it's like the Wonder Woman stance, mm. or it could be putting your hands up and like surrender, whatever, but some sort of physical movement that kind of embodies that, um, cue that you're giving yourself can really be super powerful. So if I see someone saying hell no and waving as they're driving by, I'm going to know it's you, Kathy. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You know, it's interesting you say that about the power pose, because in some of my workshops, I, I found these, uh, these Hulk fists at, at Walmart yeah. for 10 bucks, right? These giant fists. And I use, I call it the kapow, you know, Kathy power. Yeah. And it's amazing that when uh, when I'm talking and I get people to come up on stage and usually like I, I like the, the more vulnerable ones, um, especially like, say, the elder ones over 75 or 80 to, to come up on stage the mm -hmm. second they put these fists on. It's like a transformation. It's unbelievable. The boxing stance comes along. The, the mm -hmm. person, no matter what, just automatically comes alive and they get their power back they're like yeah i got this right so yeah. i had a little um uh a little uh bobblehead made of myself of uh for my for all my things that i do and it's me in my um in my work uniform in my coveralls and i got the little truck at the base but i had those power fists put on right <laughs> and i call it the kapow because it is it, it's empowering it, it's, yep. it's the stance it's the belief it's the confidence that you know what i got this man right and by the way, who's driving this truck? Me. That's right. That's right. So yeah, no, it works. My my uh, mantra, my mom taught me this when I was 14. I had been raped and I had a lot of uh, anxiety at school and a lot of issues trying to deal with it. And I talk about it in my book as well. It's uh, She taught me the hue. It's a Sanskrit name for for God. It's, a, it's an ancient name. It's H-U. And instead mm -hmm. of Aum, you just sing hue. And I've been singing that for 20 minutes a day forever and when I get really stressed uh that really works for me you know you got to find what works for you and like like you were let in and let go that's a good one too I might have to try but yeah for me it's the hue and, and that's just, interesting with hue because, and I have never heard that one before. I have studied primordial sound meditation and learned some, some yeah. sounds, but even as you were saying that, think about what's happening when you say hue, it's an exhalation. Yeah, right? it is one long breath. That, you know, the, the force into that ohm kind of almost closes where hue actually kind of opens and pushes forward. Yeah. And so it makes sense to me. And there's some good research on chanting as well and, and what it's doing in the vocal cords, actually initiating what's called the vagus nerve, which is responsible for our relaxation response, um, singing, chanting, yawning, gargling, all of those types of things will help us to calm our nervous system as well. So when I'm listening to music and singing. Yes. That's calming me. Yes. Okay. I don't know about everyone around you. But <laughs> on your voice, like how loud the music is, but yeah. I think it's pleasant based on your voice. Yes. Uh -huh. yeah. My daughter says, mom, please don't sing. She's been saying that since she's been little. Mom, don't sing. I'm like, okay, I get it. <laughs> I have other strengths. <laughs> that's what kids are supposed to say to their parents anyway. So. Oh, sure. Yeah. So how do people know if they're a stressaholic? Well, uh, there's a quick test. And uh, what I usually ask people to do is close their eyes and get into a comfortable position and just be still for about a minute. And most people can't do that. <laughs> so then I usually say, well, if you can't, 
be comfortable in stillness, then there's a chance that you are addicted to stress and stimulation. And that's just kind of a playful way of getting, because most people will just be like, okay, oh, oh my gosh, I can't handle that. Um, because a lot of us are uncomfortable with being bored, being still, not constantly being productive. Um, and that's also why a lot of us have become addicted to technology yeah. and other devices and social media and all those types of things. So, um, you know, there's other cues. Most of the things that I tend to hear from people have to do with sleep. If you go to bed feeling tired and wired at the same time, there's a good chance that you're relying on stress hormones to fuel you during the day, which means you're not taking enough breaks to really recharge. And we can see this if we actually do lab work on somebody and look at cortisol levels throughout the day, that when we wake up in the morning, cortisol, which is a stress hormone, should be highest in the morning, lowest at night. And its opposite is melatonin. So melatonin, which helps us to sleep, would then be lowest in the morning and highest at night. But because most people's stress patterns are basically get up in the morning to an alarm clock when I'm not really ready to wake up, feeling like there's not enough time to get it all done and racing through the day, we go and go and go and go and go. And so cortisol is being released all through the day. So by the time we actually get home and we're physically tired, we still have that elevated cortisol pattern, which means low melatonin. Then we wake up in the morning, we have low cortisol, high melatonin, and we want to stay in bed all day. So there's a couple ways we shift this. I mean, obviously there's things we can do before we go to bed that will help us to be able to sleep more effectively, like turning off technology, trying to create a good sleep environment, things like that. But I think more often than not, it's the lack of oscillation during the day. It's the fact that we're essentially flatlining by going and going and going. And we really need to have kind of energy out, energy in, um, patterns, taking more breaks throughout the day is always the number one thing that I recommend. Stay tuned for more of Women Road Warriors coming up. Industry movement Trucking Moves America Forward is telling the story of the industry. Our safety champions, the women of trucking, independent contractors, the next generation of truckers, and more. Help us promote the best of our industry. Share your story and what you love about trucking. Share images of a moment you're proud of. And join us on social media. Learn more at TruckingMovesAmerica.com. Welcome back to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. So we're actually our own worst enemy, the way we live today. I would imagine that there's more stress um, since the electric light bulb. And, and especially with technology today, we're pushing our bodies to do things that it was never designed to do, right? Yes, absolutely. And I'm, I'm giggling because, of course, right as we're talking about that, there's a recycling truck backing up right in my direction, making this yeah, horrible that. noise. <laughs> I'm sure you all could hear that. <laughs> I live with this beautiful view of the ocean to help me reduce my stress, but I'm right in the spot where all the recycling trucks come and drive me crazy. Um, but yes, to your point, now why they're going at, you know, at this point today, as we're recording this at uh, after five o'clock at night, I have no idea. Um, but yeah, we, our cycles are off and everything about the human system is really designed to oscillate. So we have night and day, we have tides, you know, we have heartbeats and brain waves and, and blood sugar, even everything has this up and down. And so once we were able to have artificial light, of course, we could work constantly. And now with technology, I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous. The amount of information and simulation that we're expecting our brains and our nervous system to be able to cope with on a regular basis is so extreme. And it makes it challenging for me because I know ideally what we're probably going to thrive on, but I also know that the world isn't set up that way. So for me personally, I've definitely made some changes in my lifestyle and in my business to try to uh, align a little bit better with my natural patterns, but for people who may not have control and, you know, like we were talking about with Kathy, I mean, if you're driving for long periods of time and, you know, only have a limited time frame to take time off and actually take a break, I think it's, it's really, really difficult. So we have to kind of focus on what we can control. Sure. And I think those things like 
trying to eliminate the constant multitasking, um, really pay attention to what we're listening to. So if you are driving, you know, what is the, the talk radio or the music or the book on tape, you know, what could you be doing that might be more nourishing or healthier for you or relaxing for you versus, you know, you could listen to 24 seven news cycle and feel like it's not even safe to get out of bed in the morning. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> Danger, um, danger. Like that. News, it's that. And that's, and that's, it's addictive. So it, it keeps us coming back. And especially with all the things going on right now, it's easy to get us hooked to kind of see what's going to happen, what's going to happen, what's going to happen. But I think being on what I call a digital diet, um, for me, it's really minimal. I watch 30 minutes of news in the morning after I've done my meditation, while I'm after I've done meditation and journaling and had a cup of coffee, I'm like, okay, now I'm ready. Um, Cause I wanna know what's going on, but because I'm very sensitive to negative things in my environment, I just don't want my brain to, to be overly filled with that. You know, stress is a direct correlation to health problems. They, I, you see okay. it all the time. I mean, I was a nurse for 13 years prior to this uh, career. And my gosh, some of the, when you start talking with the, with the, with the people to see, you know, what's going on in their lives and you can actually see, you're like, you know what, no wonder you're sick. Like, my gosh, you can only take so much. Your body just kind of breaks down and the wear and tear, I guess you could say, you know, it well, has first, a direct, first yeah. I would say, God bless you for being a nurse. I love nurses so much. And <laughs> I, I probably could have told you that without you telling me, because there's a certain type of person who can do that job. And my best friend is one of those. Um, and having dealt with these panic attacks and vasovagal syndrome my whole life, like having a nurse with me, who yeah. just says, Hey, it's not all in your head. What can we do to make you feel comfortable is, is truly a godsend. Um, but yeah, statistically, we know that about 75 to 90% of all medical visits are stressed related yeah i would say pre-covid right because we know there's a lot yeah. of COVID. yeah <laughs> um but but even with that you know if you have more stress you are weakening your immune system you're going to make yourself more susceptible not only to picking up a virus or illness or disease but also that it would be more hazardous to you in the long run because you just can't fight it off that's right that's right so how do people get out of this fear and and st- stressaholic syndrome we've been forced into with COVID. People are drinking more. They're doing all kinds of terrible things. They're eating, overeating. Children are being really stressed out. All of it is so very weird. I mean, when you go out and talk to people, they've got their masks on. um, It's not normal. Uh, Do you think that's part of the stress too? I do. I mean, I think that one of the questions that comes up often is, you know, are we more stressed now than we've been at any other time, you know, mm-hmm. in, in human existence? And the fact is, no, I mean, we've been through a lot and we are actually really, really resilient. If we weren't resilient, we wouldn't be here, you know? Um, so our ancestors survived things and there's been a lot. We haven't had the media attention and we haven't had the communication skills to be able to talk about it as much. Um, the one thing that I think is different and, and deserves its attention is honestly technology because um, we have not figured out a good way to set healthy boundaries with technology just in general. So I think that that is going to continue to be really important to know that we can't have it constantly on. We can't have our system constantly on, but ultimately it comes down to recovery. So it's not that stress is debilitating. It's that stress without recovery is debilitating. Just like if you went to the gym and did strength training exercises, you couldn't do that day after day, after day, after day, your muscles would break down and fall apart. You have to have a day in between um, doing any sort of strength exercise because the muscle tissue has to build back up. So in a sense, that's what's happening in our brain and our nervous system is that we're just on all the time Mm -hmm. and we're now exhausted. And so I think the most important thing for people, number one, is not to be too hard on yourself, especially right now, and to know that everyone really is struggling. Um, People that you may not think are struggling, are struggling, and that that is part of the human condition. So a little bit of self-compassion of just, this is hard and I'm doing the best I can to cope. So with that, what would be one thing that I could do that would be helpful to feeling more restored, feeling more nourished? I think one of the biggest things is sleep. 
but it can be a difficult thing for people to change. I mean, making sure you're getting eight hours of sleep every night would be ideal because that's when your, your cortisol and other hormones actually start to kind of do their housekeeping that, that if you're not getting good sleep, isn't going to happen. Um, second to that, probably more physical activity movement doesn't even have to be traditional exercise, but going for more walks, doing more stretching, doing breathing exercises. I would even consider that movement because it's movement and circulation, you know, with, with our, our lungs and our blood flow, and then probably anything I would say positive, um, but not positive and like, you know, rose colored glasses, but like, what's, what am I grateful for or what's possible in this situation? And another spin on that is using humor. Um, and I can tell you both have a great sense of humor, but not even just like trying to be funny, but just appreciating what's funny. I mean, if you're out driving, I'm assuming you're seeing all sorts of pretty funny things out there. So oh, yeah. Like being able to kind of notice and soak in that, maybe share it with somebody. You probably have your own sort of inside, maybe slightly dark humor um, of what, what you can see out on the road and things like that. But so do medical practitioners, nurses, military professionals. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a great way to bond with each other and realize that there's levity and lightness, even in the most difficult times. And then that also helps with social connection, which I would say, I mean, I could go, literally go on and on and on for an hour about all the things we could do, but I would say social connection, not being that you have to be overly social, you don't have to go out and party, but social connections, like having someone you can call or having someone even that you can text on a regular basis. Uh, my friend, that's the nurse that I mentioned, she sends me something funny every single morning and for her, it helps her to go find something funny. We have that shared experience together and it helps, helps us to feel not so alone, especially in, in the difficult time. So there's a handful of things. Um, and I do have some guided meditations, funny videos, relaxation music, and who knows what else on a little website I put together uh, rechargetoolkit.com. And it's just a free site you can go to and access some examples of those types of things if you're just trying to get started. Nice. So, so can people reach out to you for consultation uh, and all of that? Absolutely. So uh, my website is simple because it's my name, tidyhanna.com. I'm also regularly on LinkedIn. So I don't do, I mean, I'm on other social media platforms, but I don't do a lot with them. The reason I do with LinkedIn is I have four courses on LinkedIn, which are free on LinkedIn learning and um, on different topics. So stress mastery is one, recharging your energy is one, um, dealing with overwhelm is probably my favorite one. And there's one about preparing to go back to work. And those are um, anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour long courses that people can take. Um, so if you're interested in that, just let me know that you heard this podcast and that way I'll know, and I can get anyone who requested a free link to any of those courses. Awesome. Nice. And you're, you're the chief energy officer of Synergy Brain Fitness. That's your company, correct? It is. It is. And it has evolved so much <laughs> over the years. I mean, what I just said about, um, kind of recalibrating my own life is that at this exact moment, I'm a, a company of one with a lot of people I pull in and bring into my arena when we do consulting. So I work anywhere from, you know, doing keynotes and workshops on my own to working with a team of five other people doing leadership summits. And um, it's been good. It, it's changed a lot, obviously, in the COVID area era. Um, but fortunately, I was already doing a lot online. So I've been able to continue with some of my corporate clients that way. So I'm I'm seeing all of this. And when I share about possibility thinking, I think that's a really crucial component is that even when things seem like they're still or calm or redundant or boring or whatever, there's always the possibility that this is an opportunity for us to learn and grow and evolve in a new way. And I think that keeps things exciting instead of stressful. <laughs> yeah, because I think people are looking for a ray of hope right now. And yeah. they're getting really exhausted with yes. this constant, uh, oh, it's going to be going away. No, it's not. Just kidding. Uh, mm -hmm. Here we go again, you know, yeah. with the pandemic. it's It's been, that's just added to the stress of life. We did not need that. No, we didn't. And you know, as I hear you saying that, one of the quotes, and I'm not going to say it 
verbatim, but one of the things I think about in situations like this is in the darkest nights, the stars shine the brightest. And so I always try to remind myself of that, that we are going through a really difficult time. And you know what, if we don't have a mask on and we're able to smile at somebody, it can have a really big difference. Like I'm surprised some of the interactions I have with strangers that are really impactful right now, just because we're all so isolated. So while there's a lot of negatives and I'm not saying to ignore those, I'm saying we acknowledge them, we embrace them. Um, I also still think there's a lot of opportunity to do a lot of good and have mm-hmm. moments of, of kindness and gratitude in the midst of all of it. Absolutely. And I think people are dealing with a lot of fear right now. Mm-hmm. And, and it sounds like you have a handle on maybe a, how to help people with that as well. Well, I would say that, you know, I think that fear is real and I think that we need to honor it. I guess that's probably one of the things I've learned the most over the last couple of years is to really feel our feelings because a lot of the challenges we have are from thinking that these more negative types of emotions are bad for us. So we try to move past them too quickly instead of saying, I mean, like this, this actually is scary. Um, Mm -hmm. I last year, not only went through a divorce, but had my stepson pass away unexpectedly in the midst of that. And I'm had two other friends die. And I mean, it just was a horrific year and I'm sad and I'm still grieving that. And interestingly enough, we can experience positive emotions as well. So I think that it's, you know, I think if we bury the negatives, bury the fear, bury the sad, the grief, I think we do ourselves a disservice because they're there to help us. But I think that we can learn from them. And something just stood out to me as I was saying that that's come up from a few people is that some people feel guilty feeling happy while so many other people are struggling. Like there's this happiness guilt or even moments of, of happiness. Um, if things are going well for you, but you know, a lot of other people are suffering, then there's like a guilt associated. And I think also with that, keeping in mind that our, our gratitude, our happiness, our positivity is contagious. So to not feel bad when things are going well, to really, you know, soak that up too. Mm-hmm. And, and to, to keep in mind that like the waves are going to come. So we can't stop the waves from coming, but we can learn how to surf is one of my favorite mm-hmm. quotes. There you go. I like that. Surf I, like I really too. like that. Yeah. That's excellent. <laughs> well, Absolutely. Kathy, you did that. You're like, I am not going to let these people stop me. I'm going to wave my way right through this. So, right. I'm now an official trailblazer. Like move. I will run you over. There you go. <laughs> I have the there equipment to do it. <laughs> Where can people find you again, Dr. Heidi? Yeah. So uh, my website is HeidiHanna.com. It's Hannah without an H on the end. I always say that because uh, people always ask me that. Um, HeidiHanna.com. And then same on LinkedIn. You can look me up, uh, Heidi Hanna there. And there's a contact us on the website if people want to reach out. And as I mentioned, just let me know you heard me on the podcast. I do get a lot of requests on LinkedIn just because I have my courses. But if I know that you are here through our special guests, then I'll make sure to give you that access to those courses if you'd like. That's wonderful. I have thoroughly enjoyed talking to you. You're just a wealth of information and you're an inspiration. Oh, thank you. I feel the same about both of you. And uh, Shelly, at some point, we're going to get you to record one of my guided meditations with your beautiful voice. Oh, well, thank you. I'd love to. We'll have a video of Kathy in her. In my truck. (laughs) In your truck, (laughs) waving all the way. I love it. (laughs) That's great. I am so glad we were able to have you on the show today. Thank you so much, Dr. Heidi. You've been listening to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. If you want to be a guest on the show or have a topic or feedback, email us at info at tncradio.live. Thank you for listening to another great interview on TNCRadio.live. All of the material you hear on TNCRadio.live on our website, our broadcasts, or our podcasts are copyrighted. There can be no distribution without the express consent of TNCRadio.live and its partners. For inquiries, write us at info at TNCRadio.live.